0: Ksuvas per Mishnah base 8 2. The previous Mishnah asked the question if a woman sells her nechse melug, her property she brings into the marriage, that isn't written in the Ksuba, it's hers, but her husband's going to have right to the peros, usufruct rights. If she sells it, is that sale binding? And the answer was it depends. It depended on when she came into possession of that property. If it was before they got married, she could sell it. And if it's after she. Got married, then she can't, if that she came with possession of it, then she can't sell it. I'm oversimplifying, of course, but here in our Mishnah, Mishnah base, um, we ask the same question, which is, if a woman comes to certain property, which is her property, is nechsimilug. Again, she could inherit it, she could find it, she could be gifted it, and she then sells it. Is that sale binding? And again, we have Rabbi Shimon here who says it depends. But his answer is it depends on something else. It doesn't depend on when she came into possession of it per se, but rather whether or not her husband knows about its existence. And that's what the Mishnah says inside. It says Rabbi Shimon cholik bein Rabbi Shimon differentiates between different types of property. Again, usually the different types of property are Tzon barzel versus nechseimelug, and the halacha is when it comes to tzon barzel. Things she brings in that are appraised and she gets a fixed value written to her ksuba. Everybody agrees. Under all circumstances, she can't sell it because um, it's not hers to sell. She essentially sold it to her husband at the time of the marriage for a fixed amount of money. But here the corpus, the actual property itself, the asset, belongs to her. So Rabbi Shim says it depends. What does it depend upon? Nachasim hayedum Labal. Property that the husband knew about, lo timkor, she may not sell venasna batel, and if she does attempt to sell it or to give it away for that matter, then batel her sale or her gifting is annulled by him. He can get it back. Now and property that the husband didn't know about, lo timkori she may not sell Vimachra, But if she did sell it venasna or she gave it away kayam, then that sale or that gift is uh, binding. The husband can't undo it. So what are nechass maydum labal Properties that the or assets that the husband did know about or does know about. So um, there are two approaches in the Gemara. One approach in the Gemara is we're differentiating between um, real assets like property and chattels, matotlin, other objects. And the thought is that when it comes to property, um, there's a call, there's a voice, meaning people can find out, people know about these things. And therefore, even if we're talking about a property she hasn't inherited yet, it still belongs to her, you know, great uncle, whatever it is, but it's known that she is the heiress to this property one day. That already is included in properties that the husband knows about, even if she inherits it before, during or after, um, you know, their, their marriage process. He knew about it. Um, when it comes to... uh metalin, movable objects, you know, some rings she got from her grandmother, so he may not know about it because how does he know about every ring that she gets from her grandmother? He couldn't know about it necessarily. Um the other approach is that uh indeed he knows about um he knows about he makes it his business to know. He knows about things she inherited even we're talking about, you know, movable objects. And when something said to be something he did know about, let's say it means there she had some, you know, great uncle that lived abroad that um he he died and left her something, and no one knew about it. So the point is, she didn't inherit it, but they didn't know. Now, the rationale why it depends upon, upon what the husband knows about is because the husband um, has that as part of the calculus. When he decides to marry this woman, he's thinking, um, you know, this is you know this is my wife, and the rule is that he has to redeem her if she's held in captivity, um, held hostage, kidnapped. And he's not allowed to say, you know, you have your own money, we'll get divorced, we'll get your payout and deal with this yourself. He can't say that. Now, obviously, in his calculation, he can't consider things he hasn't come into, that he doesn't know about, um, that he would say, you know, he would think that. And therefore, um, one Peshat on the Mishnah, the Peshat I'm saying here, is that he um, things he doesn't know about didn't come into the calculus, he didn't know about it, and therefore, he um, has no claim on it, so if so, although she sh- ought not to sell it, that's what we're saying here, she shouldn't sell it, says Rabbi Shimon, because really he has rights to those peros, and if she would predecease him, he would inherit that stuff. But since he has no claim on it, since he didn't know about it yet, um, and therefore he didn't consider it, so therefore, she, if she did sell it, since it's hers, she owns a corpus of it, and he didn't know about it yet, so therefore that sale is binding. Now, it comes out that Rabbi Shimon has both a Kula and achorma, a chorma leniency and a stringency relative to the previous Mishnah. Because on the one hand he's saying that things that the husband knew about, even if she came into possession of them, or she even didn't even she didn't even inherit them, but either she came into possession of them before they got married, still she can't sell it because he knew about it, and that was part of his calculations. That's a stringency, meaning we're finding him, so to speak in favor of the husband. On the other hand, we're saying, let's say she inherited, you know, she had a cousin in, in Sweden who, you know, left her something in the will, which she didn't, he didn't know about, of course, and they didn't hear about it, and she found out and sold it before he got wind of it. Even if that happens after they're married, even though the previous, the Kam, the previous Misha said whatever she sells that she comes into possession with of after they get married, she cannot sell, and any such sale would be nullified by him. Here, Rabbi Shimon saying, no, since he didn't know about it, and she sold it before he found out about it, even though she only came into possession of it after they got married, the sale is binding. So that would be, I'll call it a leniency, meaning we're finding in favor of her, relative to the previous Mishnah. Okay? L'halacha, as I mentioned in the previous Mishnah, the general rule is that any sale that she, that we find sort of, in his, we find we, he gets the upper hand largely, meaning whatever she sells, um, during the marriage, he can undo because he can say, listen, that's I have rights to the payrolls, the output of that property, the dividends, and therefore you can't sell it. Um, but one exception to that is if we have, I'll call it both of these opinions ticked off, lakula, meaning if she sells something that he didn't know about and she came into possession of it prior to them getting married, so both the opinions the previous mission this one both said that sale could be binding she shouldn't do it but if she did do it after they're married um, it is binding so then the halakha is that sale would be binding